This is Auto Success, the podcast. This podcast is for automotive sales professionals looking for tools and strategies for maximum success. Now, here's your host, Thomas Williams. Today on Auto Success, the podcast, we're speaking with Walt Zaglinski, managing partner at Vital Factors, Inc. We'll be talking about emotionally engaging the customers at your dealership. Welcome, Walt. We appreciate you taking the time to be with us today. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Can you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got started in this industry? Yeah, um, I um, interestingly enough, I know you you are in the in the auto dealer world, and uh, my father spent most of his life in the automotive industry. So, in some ways, uh, it had a lot to do with me getting into the into the world of of sales and service effect, and this whole notion of of customer centric selling, customer centric. Uh, um, organizations. I uh, started out, interestingly enough, as a school teacher. I taught for a while and then got into uh, got into photography of all things, but ultimately ended up in a sales role and worked in selling in uh, in the office products industry. And uh, that led to a, to a uh, an opportunity to be a trainer uh, in that industry, mm-hmm. and that led me to uh, to the end of the industry. And from that point, I worked in several companies and I've been CEO the last couple where I've um, led organizations who were most interested in creating um, creating sales organizations that could create value for the customers of, the, of our clients and that's kind of what I do today. Great, great. Now can you describe the difference between um, satisfying a customer and providing an experience that builds loyalty? Well, um, I think satisfaction in today's world is uh, more common than it might have been years ago. Um, if I frequently do speeches, and in the course of my speaking, uh, one, one of the activities I do is I ask everyone in the room to stand up who has purchased or leased an automobile, actually, in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And uh, virtually everyone stands up. Then I say, okay, sit down. If uh, and everyone who uh, keeps, I should say, stay standing, everyone who is satisfied, and almost everyone standing, about 10% sits down. And then I'll ask everyone who intends to purchase the same brand, the same kind of car in the future, remain standing. And I get a few more people sit down, mm-hmm. not many. But when I ask the question, who intend to purchase the same brand from the same salesperson? I get about half the audience sitting down. Mm-hmm. Now, what that tells me is it's very, very common and very, very consistent with statistics that an organization, a guy named Frederick Reichel, did for Bain. When and the research shows that about, even though four out of ten people, or eight out of ten people, may be loyal, sometimes as much as nine out of ten, only about four out of ten are actual. Let me say this a different way, even though. Nine out of ten people may be satisfied. Only four out of ten people are actually loyal. Mm-hmm. Loyalty is defined in two terms. Loyal loyal customers are customers who are either willing to repurchase, they know they're going to go back to that dealership and buy again, or they'll recommend that dealership and often that salesperson to someone else. Those are the two biggest definitions. Now, satisfaction is a prerequisite for loyalty but it's not a predictor of it. As a matter of fact, satisfied customers often act very much like dissatisfied customers when it comes to this notion of loyalty. 
if they're not going to go back to the same dealership, if they're not committed to that dealership. Now, the thing that triggers that is a whole other issue. That is, what do individual salespeople or dealerships or people in the, in the business and business in general need to do to change that dynamic? And more often than not, it has a lot less to do with with the right kind of a product or service or the right kind of a price, it has a lot more to do with the right kind of a relationship. Mm-hmm. And it's the relationship dynamic that often is the difference between being satisfied and being loyal. There's some interesting statistics related to this, which I can share also, if you'd like. Uh, when you look at people who are satisfied uh, many about 60 to 80 percent of customers who defect from competitors often say they are satisfied or very satisfied immediately prior to defection. That's part of that same study. 60 mm-hmm. to 80 percent say they are very satisfied, yet they defect. They go to another supplier. It's because satisfaction is not a predictor of loyalty. So when I talk about satisfaction, I'm really saying that it is a good thing to do. You certainly want people to be satisfied with what you sell but it doesn't predict that they're going to come back and buy from you again. And Walt, what role do the dealership's employees play in creating that experience, and, and what should a leader focus on when training them for that for this goal? Well, um, they, they may actually be the only thing in this. There was a time, I think, when uh, there were more things that, uh, that an individual organization can do to drive loyalty. Today, there are so many choices. The market is so highly competitive. Mm-hmm. Products have gotten more and more alike, more and more transactional in, in, in the way they are purchased. The Internet and things like that have created an environment where people can know the cost on these items. So you get yourself, especially in the, in the automobile world, into a place where clients come in wanting to transact business. That commoditization process doesn't allow much to pull yourself out of that sort of uh, that sort of mode of where you are just being you are just satisfying a functional need which is fundamentally what you mean when you talk about a satisfied customer they're satisfied with the with the the, the automobile and potentially the buying experience but mm-hmm. it's the connection that the individual has it's the day-to-day interaction and employees have with customers the more often than not are the difference between someone who's satisfied and someone who's loyal. And it's not just at that sort of moment of truth. It goes beyond that. So when you talk about training those people, you're really talking about, about over the long haul, uh, giving people the kinds of processes and the kinds of support that give them uh, the attitudes and beliefs. Often, more often than not, training is about um, it's about tools and techniques. How do you do something? How do you say something? The customer says this and you say that. There's no question there are skills in the, in the sales arena. However, the real difference maker is not the sales or even service skills. It's the attitudes and beliefs that go along with those because that's what the buyer sees. That's what the buyer cares about. That's what gets the buyer at that emotional level. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is a different study from Gallup. But he suggests there are three kinds of buyers. There are dissatisfied buyers, there are satisfied buyers, rationally satisfied, that is, and then there are emotionally satisfied buyers. Those buyers that are emotionally satisfied are the buyers that are most likely to be long-term loyal customers. 
Emotional satisfaction is much more about building that connectedness. And it goes, <clears throat> goes beyond the skills of the salesperson or the service person. It gets to what kind of attitude and beliefs and values they bring into that interaction. Customers get that. They feel that. And ultimately, over time, they see that. And again, it's not just at that moment of truth when that, when that transaction is taking place. It goes beyond that moment of truth when over time they are connected to that individual. Now, let me say one other thing about this from the leadership perspective. Although individuals have a lot to say about their attitudes, beliefs, and values, the organizations have a lot to say that about that as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, I look usually at a couple things. One is <clears throat> the individual employee's alignment with the organization's direction. So an employee won't necessarily adapt a set of attitudes and beliefs that are positive if they're the top-down direction of the organization is manipulative. So when you find yourself in a position where you can either be honest and open with the with the prospect or you can uh, manipulate that prospect or not tell half-truths and you're encouraged to do so, you basically have created a conflict within that person. Uh, that lack of what we call congruence is a key element to people's success ultimately. Because you can't have a positive attitude if you're if you're incongruent with the values of your organization mm-hmm. or if you don't believe that what you're being asked to do is consistent with what you're good at. So people get out of when they get incongruent, their attitudes fade. Their their achievement drive goes away. And when that happens, of course, it affects their ability to be effective creating and creating those relationships. And organizations need to recognize too that you can't that uh, that if you don't take care of your employees, they won't take care of your customers. Uh, there's something called the service profit chain, written by 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 a, a set of psychologists back in, in the 1980s, and fundamentally it states that that a a satisfied you take satisfied employees to create satisfied customers. And unless you're creating an environment where your employees are satisfied, where your employees feel like they're getting what they need to be effective when they're not in a situation that they're uncomfortable with, it's inconsistent with their value system, those people are more likely to satisfy your customers. So this is, you know, organizations and their ability to create value, the kind of value that creates loyal customers, that creates emotional satisfaction, that takes a dynamic that is both about the individual, but not just their skills, their attitudes and beliefs, and attitudes and beliefs are supported and fostered top-down through an organization. So leaders have a lot to do with developing people and protecting, oftentimes, the people they bring in. Because you're not going to hire people that don't have good those kinds of standards to start with. At least I don't think right. you will. So hopefully that answers your question. Most definitely. Now, Walt, can you describe what you mean by extrinsic value and how does it differ from intrinsic or functional benefits? Yeah. Well, um I'll use a, I'll use a, a, an automotive example, and I'll use an extreme one, but I think people get this. When you think of Rolls-Royce, intrinsically, intrinsically, Rolls-Royce is an automobile that is, um, that is a very expensive automobile, but an automobile that runs well, and that, uh, that basically gets you from point A to point B, just like any other car. However, it has some extrinsic value because of its craftsmanship and precision. Over time, it's developed a cachet, you know, and I'll go into more 
a simpler example, you know, you talk about Cadillacs, you talk about Mercedes, they've not only become the names of automobile companies, but they've become words that people use to describe things that meet a higher standard. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that description, that higher standard, that value add is extrinsic value. So in day-to-day, in day-to-day life, intrinsically what, what, a, what a product does or the, the, the functional needs a product satisfies gets you to a level of functional satisfaction. I mean, products can, uh, if, if you need a car, it gets you from point A to point B. Uh, a car that gets you from point A to point B and adds convenience to it because it has power windows, well, that's a positive thing. So that's all the functional side. The extrinsic stuff is is what often takes you to that emotional level. So if people are looking for more prestige, you can take them there by way of a different brand. I like to also think about things beyond the car itself. So if you go beyond the product, you look at relationships, you can build extrinsic value in a purchase through the relationship. And this is a variable that that gets back to that whole notion of of creating loyal customers because if you can create a buying experience from beginning to end that's unique for that person, particularly when they come in with a predisposition to not to not like the experience they've had in the past in an industry. And uh, speaking for myself, certainly in some cases that's been true in the automotive industry. If you can elevate that or change that or move that paradigm and make that a more pleasurable experience for people, That'll be memorable, and that will get them back, come back, get them coming back to you. And and unfortunately, that doesn't happen enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of numbers uh, related to this fact, but probably the most dramatic is that emotionally satisfied customers deliver a 23% premium in terms of profitability and wallet share revenue growth in a down market when things are when when new customers are hard to come by. Bringing those existing customers back is a real big deal. And when you mm-hmm. can increase that by 25% or more, and by the way, loyalty factors that move the needle 5% can increase profits as much as 100%. Yeah. Because those, those people that come back, come back with a different buying attitude. They're not the customer that's going to squeeze every nickel out of the deal because they're coming back because of the experience they had. And a lot of that experience, to get back to your question, is about the extrinsic value that you, the individual salesperson, brought to that deal. The kind of experience, the kind of extrinsic value you find in those premium products oftentimes. But this is extrinsic value in the premium buying buying solution, the premium <laughs> buying experience. And that's what you look for. You're looking for that premium buying experience when you're working with someone in an industry. Most definitely. Now, what role does being perceived as ethical play in engaging the customer, and and what are some of the ways a dealership can boost this perception? Uh, well, I think it has a tremendous it has a tremendous role, and in some industries more than others. I mean, people come in with a preconception of what of what that buying experience is going to be and the ethics of it, and unfortunately. Uh, they, you need to avoid manipulation. You need to tell the truth. You need to answer questions directly. Mm-hmm. You need to be above board, honest, and have a conversation. You know, the old golden rule plays a role here. Treat people like you'd want to be treated. Nobody right. wants to be manipulated. Um, I like to say that, you know, you want to do the right things 
because they're the right things to do. And if you always think about that, sometimes it's the right thing to tell people the truth about a situation. That this this particular automobile might not be best for their family's needs because X, Y, and Z. You know, because it has, you know, it has more miles on it than you would typically expect for a car with this amount of years. Maybe you need to look at this car instead. And, it, and that happens in in the automotive world. I mean, I recently purchased a car, and I've had people tell me that. So I know it happens, mm-hmm. and you appreciate that when that happens. Oh yeah. And it breaks some paradigms, and ultimately will create a. Uh, an environment where people feel like they're where they're dealing with honest people. Unfortunately, if you do that, if you do, if you just make one statement that's perceived as dishonest or manipulative, anything you might have done before that goes away, because there's some preconceptions that salespeople in general are manipulative. That salespeople in general are out to win your business more than they're out to do what's right. So you have to break through those perspectives. There's some statistics. Uh, that I've used in some articles that Americans will pay a premium price uh, to work with an ethical company. I think it's something like 72% have said they would do that. So there's a willingness to pay more to have the right kind of individual and organization behind a sale. So I think it's something that makes a difference and uh, that people will pay for. And again, it allows you to uh, to drive toward a higher value proposition, create more value, create a more loyal customer base. Mm-hmm. Now, Walt, one, what one idea would you like our listeners to take with them today concerning engaging the customer and building those relationships? I think that the the one thing that that matters most is when you when you work with a customer, recognize that not only do you have a set of a buying process, a selling process, but they have a buying process. You need to align your behaviors with the customer's experience. The only perception that matters is their perception. Your perception of how the quality of your automobile, your perception of your commission program, your perception of your dealership's um, uh, historical value in, in, in the community, none of those things matter. The only thing that matters is the process that the customer's going through and your mm-hmm. ability to align and to keep pace with that process. So when the buyer is in, the awareness phase, you need to be helping them understand what value you can drive by understanding their needs. When they are evaluating, you need to be able to show why what you have can help, can differentiate, differentiate from other choices they might have. When they're looking to validate their decision, you need to provide documentation that helps them validate that so they can see the value and the impact of the value. And when they're making the commitment or ready to make the commitment, you need to make it easy for them to deploy or to move forward with that commitment, implement it in an effective way, so and follow through accordingly. So you need to apply skill and you need to apply attitudes, beliefs, and values. So stay aligned and use both your skill and and all those ethical standards and values you know you'd like to have done for you. So that, that's what I would say. Just align your behaviors with the process that the buyer is going through at that moment and keep pace with that. Be alert to that. Don't allow yourself to try to drive the the buyer to a place where they aren't. Some excellent information for our audience today, Walt. Thank you for taking the time. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. Our guest today has been Walt Zaglinski, Managing Partner at Vital Factors, Inc. He can be contacted at wzeglinski at vitalfactorsinc.com. That's W, 
Z-E-G-L-I-N-S-K-I, or visit mapconsulting.com. Thanks for listening to the Auto Success Podcast. For more information about Auto Success Magazine, log on to autosuccessonline.com. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions about this show or future shows, email us at podcast at autosuccessonline.com. Now make it a successful day.